Hello and welcome to your Christmas Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. I'm your very festive host for this week, Farmers Guardian editor and agri-briefing group editor, Ben Briggs. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. So subscribe through all your favourite podcast platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast to ensure that you stay up to date. As it's Christmas, in this episode we will be speaking to those involved in growing our favourite festive food. After what has been a strange year, many of us are looking forward to celebrating Christmas with loved ones. However, Covid restrictions remain in place, impacting consumer behaviour, and without a home eating closed and people unable to travel abroad, more people will be spending Christmas Day in the UK at home. However, some suggest these gatherings will be in smaller groups and that could have an impact on what people buy over the Christmas period. Despite all of this, the NFU and turkey farmers have been encouraging consumers to buy whole birds and pushing leftover recipes so we can all enjoy our Christmas turkey throughout the entire festive period, which is notably a tradition, but usually in a not very innovative way. And, while the weather may have been beneficial for both Christmas tree and sprout growers, they've also faced uncertainty over people's plans at Christmas, as Alex Black has been discovering. The Country Land and Business Association is the only organisation solely dedicated to the protection of land and property rights and promoting the interests of the wider rural economy. We help our members work in the best interests of the land, wildlife and the environment. Join today at www.cla.org.uk Now Christmas wouldn't be the same without turkeys, Christmas trees and sprouts. But the farmers growing our festive staples have faced a lot of uncertainty this year as they waited to see what the restrictions would be over the Christmas period. I caught up with turkey farmers Jade Stock and Thomas Pate to ask them how they were feeling when we went into lockdown in March. So if we take a look back at 2020, obviously we went into lockdown in March. Tom, do you want to take me through where the business was at that point and what you were thinking when we went into lockdown? Yeah, well, from the the turkey business point of view, um, our year kind of starts in February when we place our order with the, the hatchery. So at that point, coronavirus was kind of something that was happening the other side of the world you didn't really think it was going to affect us that much so we, we placed our order for pults pretty much as as per normal a normal spread of weights and things like that and then a month later obviously coronavirus hit um, and as the years went on we realized that maybe we should have placed an order for um, maybe slightly smaller birds as we go into Christmas and people are looking for for smaller cuts um, but anyway going going back to March yeah um, we were busy trying to do works to our farm. We were converting a shed um, from a finishing pig unit to a nursery pig unit, and that that was held up with um, delays with 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 um, labour and also supplies. You couldn't get cement for love nor money during full lockdown, so that delayed the, our first placement of pigs. But after after that, um, we got going again, and uh, we've also got the cereals on the farm, and that's not really stopped. Luckily, we've managed to. To keep going with that. So I think compared to a lot of industries, we've been quite fortunate that we've managed to keep working throughout. And how about you, Jade? Were you in a similar position? What was on your mind? So we actually ordered our pults on the 23rd of March. 
and we took a huge punt and only ordered six kilos and below. So we've only got four, five and six kilo strains um, in the sheds, nothing big. We took enough to supply our one restaurant in, in the large sizes, but that's it. So for us, I don't know what made us do it, but it was a really good move. And then I suppose we've come from March with a lot of uncertainty uh, for both of you. We've been waiting on, you know, to find out what we can do at, at Christmas, whether people can meet, whether, you know, there's the limit on, on households as we've found out. I mean, how's that affected you over the year? We, I, 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 the decision to go down to the smaller beds has probably been the best decision we ever made. We've also stopped doing crowns and rolls. So we're making people buy the full bird. So I'm not going to have loads of arms and legs left um, and stuff to dispose of. They don't like it because everybody loves a crown. I don't know what it is about a crown, but they love a crown. Um, yeah, but for us, it's, work, it's worked really well. We, we pretty much sold out at the beginning of the month, bar a few stragglers. Excellent. And you, you say that you've moved away from the crowns. I suppose a lot of people are planning for the smaller gatherings so what's the reaction been of you pushing people to be making turkey curries and turkey sandwiches on Boxing Day? We've, we've encouraged them back onto a full bird. There's some that I will butcher for them, but they're taking the whole bird in a box away. So there'll be no leftovers to try and encourage them to use all those different parts of the turkey rather than, um, you know, us having to try and find a market for, I call them arms and legs, but wings and and you know drumsticks got to december now um so how's the um how's the sales gone this year compared to previous years phenomenal people have been so different this year with their sales they've been organized they know what they want um they know how many are coming and i thought when they announced the tiers and the um five day free for all that we would have a lot of changes but we haven't um, we've had an odd few cancellations where people have changed plans. That's fine. And I expect in the run up to Christmas, maybe more people will cancel. But I think from what I can see, people are going to observe. They, they're going to carry on the social distance. I haven't had that many people say that we're going to be having bigger celebrations um, and we want to change. I think a lot of people are really wary of what might be held in January if we do have this big free for all of mixing. So... Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where we are. And Tom, how's that uncertainty impacted your business? Fun enough, um, what Jade was saying there about cuts, we've actually had more more orders for, for cuts than we ever have before. Usually about a third of our orders are, are, are breast roasts or crowns, but this year it's almost half our orders are, are crowns and breast roasts. It's, it's a, a huge a huge hassle, really, um, but we will sell all, 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 the, all the birds in, in some format. But over the years, more and more people are looking for, for these butchered cuts. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd prefer it if everyone bought full birds. That is by far the, the best way to go, and it's the most flavoursome way to go. Um, but for some reason, people like the convenience. Some people don't want any leftovers whatsoever, uh, so they want, they want these cuts. So, yeah, lo- lots, lots more butchery. We've had to employ another... Uh, butcher as well as myself uh, for processing for processing all that all these cuts um order started much earlier this year um we had 
a, a big a big lot of orders coming in September, right through October, November. It's it's been quite incredible. Um, the odd cancellation where people have got cold feet and um, the tier system that we have up in Scotland, you can't move between different regions if they're in different tiers. So that, that's given people a bit of a fright. Lots of new customers. We had a lady on the phone the other day who, for the last 25 years, has spent Christmas in France skiing, but she's not doing that this year, so she's having her first Christmas in Scotland for 25 years, and she's ordered one of our turkeys. So that's the kind of thing that's happening. I think more and more people staying at home, and more and more people not going out to restaurants and hotels through eating at home. Our social media this year, we've we've kind of tried to... Um, press home the benefits of buying a, a bigger bird and, and what you can do with leftovers, lots of leftover recipes and ideas like that so that people aren't scared of getting a bigger bird. It's very good value and, and filling their freezer with lots of yummy things for the, for the new year. And I know you normally try and make it a bit of an experience coming by in your turkey uh, from, from yourselves. How have you coped with that and the COVID restrictions? It's a difficult one. Um, we have we have collection points um, in, in various places, but our, our main one is at the farm. And yeah, we have a pop-up shop in the farm. We're trying to make it a real experience. People come out and get their mulled wine and, and drinks and things and mince pies and have a chat and have a bit of a, a, bit of a party. And it, pe- people come out as, as families to come and experience that. Um, so it's more than just picking up your, your Christmas lunch. But this year, yeah, we're having to think quite hard about how we're doing that uh, with social distancing and things. Um, I've got a friend who's in the catering business. He's got a a mobile coffee van, so he's going to come out and, and dish out free hot chocolates to anyone who comes into the farm. And um, it, it is going to be a different feeling. Some people may just want to do a drive-by and uh, they just want to drive past and we can just pop the turkey in the boot and they can drive on. Um, but some people will still want to come in and, and see us and, and, and say hello. Uh, but it will be different, and we've just got to set expectations for that, I think. And looking towards next year, hopefully next Christmas we won't be having conversations like this, we'll be having a, a more normal Christmas. Is there anything that you're going to take from what's happened this year um, for for next year? Anything that you're going to, you know, you've learnt from this year that you're going to take forward? This is our 10th year of being... Um, Kelly Bronze turkey farmers and every year something new has cropped up uh, you think you're prepared for Christmas and then some, something pops up and, and sideswipes you uh, but a, a global pandemic was certainly not one that we ever expected uh, to hit us I think the economy is probably going to take a, re- a real kicking in the, in the next 12 months uh, but hopefully people will still see Christmas as a, as a time of year to, to spend a bit of money um, but yeah I think it's just um Stay agile, st- stay stay lean, so you can just adapt to these these strange times. I think. How about you, Jade? I absolutely agree. Stay agile, stay lean, and so you can adapt. Um, so this is our ninth year. Obviously, we're we're slightly different. We're we're first time or first generation farmers, um, and we came straight into turkeys as 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 the only thing that we farm. Um, no, not a single year has been the same. Every year we've had something thrown at us. So we are by a hair's breath outside, just outside a coronavirus, um, coronavirus a bird flu prevention zone. Um, 46,000 chickens got slaughtered just down the road from us um, about three weeks ago. So we have been on absolute panic stations in terms of weather you know, we were going to have to lock down sooner. And we, again, we bought our slaughter Ford. Um, we wouldn't normally be doing it all. 
um, until sort of this weekend and forward. But actually, we've started already this week to make sure we can get everything in the fridges before the 14th. The, 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 my big concern about bird flu is that um, if the, the hatcheries and breeding guys, if they get hit, and um, that could have real impact for the whole turkey supply chain. If we, if we lose some of these uh, very important strains and breeds, uh, that would be a worry. But I know they've got these, their, their breeding stock um, geographically placed around the UK to try and avoid that. But that's, that's my main concern. I think also going forward, I've been speaking to some other turkey farmers um, across the country and labour is a, a big issue. Um, we, we rely on, on Eastern European labour for our job. And it is a very physical job. The way we're doing it, dry plucking the birds, it is a very f physical and labour intensive job. And if you can't get these people to do the, do the job, uh, then, then the future of the way we do this is going to look very different. I totally agree. So um, we're obviously a lot smaller scale than you. We have tried to use um, Eastern European labour before, have done it successfully. But unfortunately, where we are located, you cannot get um, foreign labour because they are all allocated onto other farms. We're too small. Just let us know, Jade, exactly where you are in the, in the country. So we're in Herefordshire. Um, but we border Shropshire and Powys. So we're very uniquely located. Um, so we actually use locals. We have a team of, um, I'm not allowed to call them retired ladies because um, in an article I did and they nearly shot me, they said they're by no means retired. They're still very much working. Um, so I have a team of mature ladies and teenagers. But it's every year is on a knife edge. It only takes a teenager not to want to turn up or like my more mature ladies are, you know, they have other commitments or concerns with health. Um, it does mean that we're going to be processing for 24 hours a day for the period that we're processing for to, on a shift pattern to try and accommodate everyone in the space that we've got. So labour is a concern for me because I can't drive my business forward until I know I've got a secure workforce in place. And, and, and same, we dry pluck as well. By hand, there's no real machinery that we use and we hand process as well. Up here in Angus, we're very lucky because the, the soft fruit and vegetable growers uh, usually have uh, labour uh, th throughout the year. So we're able to use some of them and, and they'll maybe um, take holiday from their, their normal jobs to come up and do the, the turkey plucking. Uh, we, we, pay, we pay them well so they, they're happy to do that. But gosh, these guys, these guys can work. You know, it's incredible um, the work they do and the pride they take in their work as well. So we do end up, but when you're doing a premium product, it's got to be absolutely spot on. And if we yeah. can't get labour to, to, to do that very high spec stuff, then it's, it is a problem. Uh, but yeah, every, every year it's concern. At the, at the start of processing, you think, oh, I really hope these guys are going to turn up. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose that's going to be heightened this year, obviously, with Brexit looming. Um, the end of the transition period in January. Um, and going back to maybe more festive talk, um, obviously our listeners, hopefully will, by the time they're listening to this, they'll have um, planned out their Christmas dinner and they'll be tucking into a lovely juicy British turkey. Um, but do you want to give us a bit of an appeal of why people should be buying a, a turkey and particularly a whole bird? Oh, just the taste. I... I just think cooking a whole bird, I just don't think you can beat the flavour of of a whole turkey. Um, I appreciate the ease of crowns and rolls, but it's just something really authentic in the taste. 
especially the way we produce it, especially with the, the, the hanging as a 14 days. Um, it, it, it's just like we can taste the difference, can't we, between our bird uh, and... Absolutely. There's a, ma- there's a massive difference. A lot of people were put off turkey. They've maybe bought um, um, con- conventional turkeys maybe to, to, uh, from, the, from the supermarket and they've been put off. It's been a bit dry, a bit, bit uh, flavourless. Um, but when you go back to the, the way we're doing it, dry plucked and then game hung, it makes a huge, huge difference. And these slow, these slow growing breeds that, that put down fat on their backs, um, it's quite incredible. People don't believe that our, our, an average sized turkey will take two, two and a half hours to cook. They just don't get their heads around that. They think they need to put this thing in the oven for seven hours. That's just not going to work. So, no, you cook, 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 cook ours really, really fast. They cook in their own juices and you end up with lots of lovely gravy. And I couldn't agree more that the whole, the whole turkey is the, the, the real deal. And then you've got lots of lovely leftovers and stock to, to see through the, the, the cold winter months. You're still ploughing on and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com slash subscriptions today. Now, picking out the Christmas tree is a big part of many people's festive traditions. And if you've been keeping a close eye on the political situation, you may have noticed Ollie Coombe's Christmas tree outside of 10 Downing Street. Ollie's the owner of York Christmas Trees, and he won the British Christmas Tree Growers Association competition this year. It's been run since 1999, but it's the first time there's been a winner from the north of England. I caught up with Ollie and Heather Parry from the association about how COVID had impacted growers this year. Ollie, if you want to start us off, um, do you want to introduce yourself first of all? Just you know, say your name, where you farm. Hi, I'm I'm Ollie Coombe. We are a small to medium-sized Christmas tree grower just outside York in the Vale of York, and I'm the owner of the business. And one of your trees has had the honour of being in Downing Street this year. Do you want to tell me how that came about? Well, every year uh, the British Christmas Tree Growers Association run a annual competition and the winner of that competition gets to provide the tree to go outside number 10 Downing Street. And despite the significant challenges we had this year, the team at Yorkshire Agricultural Society did a fantastic job of organising a a virtual competition at the Harrogate Showground. So all the growers, we um, worked together, we couriered, we collected and we gathered and cajoled trees and we brought them all in on a Tuesday, got them all set up inside one of the exhibition halls and then we left and we left Heather and her team and some celebrities to do the judging on the Wednesday. But Heather was there judging, I only delivered my tree. (laughs) (laughs) So the fortunate thing was out out of the hundred or odd trees that were there, um, the panel of judges selected mine as the winner and that meant that I then... I'm asked to provide a 20-foot Christmas tree to go outside number 10 Downing Street. Um, so the one that I jokingly had said in the summer, this is good enough for number 10 Downing Street, the family overruled me and made me choose a different one, which went. Anyway, so that, that went down on, was it the last Friday in November, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, yes. And then um, some other members of the association decorated it. 
Excellent. And Heather, seeing as you were on the judging panel, why, why was Ollie's the winner? No, 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 I wasn't on the judging panel. So because I know very little about trees. Ollie's an expert. Um, I am definitely not an expert. I love them, but not an expert. So it was the head judge was last year's winner from Dartford Christmas Tree Farm, Stuart Kirkup. Um, and he had with him um, Peter Wright from the Yorkshire Vets and also the uh, Shepherdess. Uh, so it was brilliant. So, uh, yeah. Sorry? Amanda Owen. Amanda Owen, yes, thank you. Amanda Owen, uh, the Yorkshire Shepherdess. Uh, so they had a really good time and actually we went through every category of tree and then uh, you get a winning category and then you get the overall winner, which was the champion one, which was Ollie's. Excellent. And if we go you know, further on to 2020, I think for all of us it's been a year like no other, really. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about how the Christmas tree industry has been affected by 2020, Heather? Yeah, it's been a, a very uh, interesting year. I think for everybody in Christmas trees, there's no exception for that. Um, we started off very well. The weather's been absolutely brilliant this year with the wet and the sunshine. So the trees are in the best condition they've ever been in. And then, of course, we got locked down and Christmas trees weren't exempt initially from it. Um, and then we got that exemption. So the guys, because they only sell over five, six weeks a year. So it's a very short window. So garden centres were open. So we've got managed to get Christmas trees open as well. Um, and now we've just done a, a survey today, actually. And um, the first two big weekends, the last weekend of November and, and last weekend, um, most the average person's up 31% on sales. So phenomenal results. And I think people have been going mad for Christmas this year. Uh, for various reasons, I think less people are going abroad, more people in smaller groups. But also, I think people want a really authentic Christmas. They want it to be special. They want that wonderful smell. They want to bring the outdoors in. And your home has never been your castle quite as much as, you know, we've all been in our homes much more than ever. And decorating them and making them special. I think this year, the Christmas tree has really come into its own. And every single grower said they've got new people who've never bought a real Christmas tree before going in and buying them. So that's been a fantastic experience for everybody. Um, and I think it just shows the power of Christmas tree, the power of something real and that wonderful smell and the decoration and just it becomes part of your family doesn't it, it becomes part of your home and you're very proud of it and it's just it's like a beacon of hope for a, a better better year next year an end of a positive end to this year I think that's what we're, what we're looking at. It was very aptly put to me by a customer who um, always comes in and buy asks for the best tree I've got and very early on when we started I remember pointing out this one and saying that one, it's eight foot, it's perfect, it's £64. And she said, don't apologise about the price. She said, that is the centrepiece of my Christmas. She said, I'm buying that to be the centrepiece of my room. She said, I can spend that on flowers in two or three weeks. And she comes back every year, and it now turns out she's a marketing expert, and she's been very... Uh, very good with me over the years and said, you know, you've got a fantastic product. Uh, you've, it's how you promote the product and how you present it and then how you yourselves present your business to the public. And this year, if you if you look at it, it's been a pretty tough year for us as the growers. The growing was straightforward. We had fantastic weather conditions. We minor changes in how we operated. We carried on. And, you know, a lot of people said to me, you're living the dream. You're out every day in the fresh air and socially distanced. The challenge came when we started to, we wanted to sell the trees because what covid put in was a huge amount of uncertainty and so the harvest has been particularly tough because there's been significant extra cost and slower rate of harvesting but we weren't 
customers didn't know whether they could have the trees so we were late starting we normally do two weeks on big trees three weeks on wholesale and then three weeks on retail we've pretty much done everything in three weeks this year four weeks and it has been really tough the big joy in that has been the attitude of the customers has been absolutely exemplary they have been so understanding so helpful and when they walk into that barn they want Christmas to start and you know we say to them I'm sorry it's going to take a bit longer you're going to have to social distance can you make them wear a mask and they just say thank you for caring and it, it's been really quite humbling that as how just how understanding and careful and considerate people are and it's yeah it's been great it's been tough but it's been one of the best fun years to actually do the harvest that we've had. Heather mentioned there that there have been lots of people who were getting a, a real Christmas tree who, who'd maybe never had one before or always had an artificial one. Have you found a lot of customers like that? And what have people said to you about switching? What we've been trying to work out, so we have a wholesale business and we have a retail business. And once I've finished wholesale, I come into retail. But it was so busy in the retail, um, I didn't really know what was going on. So I put my daughter on the door and gave her a list of questions. And there's a significant number of new people. Lottie kept saying, no, these are a lot of new people. They're not existing customers. And my wife said to me, Kirsty said, hang on, Ollie, you know, we are selling stands like it is going out of fashion. So for 20 years, the ratio of stands to trees has been pretty constant. This year, we've still got trees to sell. We haven't got a stand left in the shop. We, you know, they're, they're gone which would would suggest there's a lot of new customers coming in. And that's the feedback you're getting from them. We don't know whether they've come from, they've been buying their trees elsewhere, or this is just the first year they're buying a new tree, but a real tree. But they're also buying natural wreaths. And my little son bales up, he makes bundles of foliage that he sells at the front of the barn. I don't know how, I mean, I don't pick him up and wring his pockets out because he's, he, he's had a phenomenal year. The mountain bike budget goes up each day. <laughs> and that's one of the things, you know, when you're working in, you know, Christmas trees or, or any of the, you know, the festive festive side of retail sales, you're creating an experience for people, aren't you? How, how have you managed to do that whilst kind of balancing the COVID restrictions? We've had to work very hard on communicating to people. So when we realised COVID wasn't going away, um, our particular challenge is that 66% of our business is done on two weekends and it is manically busy. So we sat down and thought, right, how do we smooth this out? How do we level the um, sales pattern out and also maybe dilute it so that we, we're lowering the risk? So we, there was three things we did. We set up an online um, shop, which when you're 50 something and you're not particularly computer literate, it it's quite interesting and yeah it's been a rapid learning curve i'm sat here at the moment knowing i've sold trees but trying to get a report as to how many trees i've sold is is a struggle um so we did that we opened one of the fields up for pick your own and then we put proper social distancing measures into the barn and emailed all the customers and put a lot of effort into social media to ask more people to come in the week less at the weekend it has worked but if you get 30% more customers, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic, but all your best laid plans are put under more pressure. <laughs> but yes, it's worked and it's worked because the customers have been very, very understanding and they've listened and understood what we've been asking and they've they followed it. So it's been, yeah, it, it's, yeah, we've got there, but it's been, it's been a huge challenge. 
And Heather, sort of wider across the industry, have you found that a lot of your members have had to adapt, you know, like Ollie has to, to changing, changing circumstances? Yeah, I'm so proud of them all, actually, because we've been so, talking since sort of the middle of summer saying, come on, we've got, to have, we've got to change, we're going to have social distancing. We didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but we, you know, risk assessments, talking to the councils, you know, just a really different way of going on, especially very traditional business that we've done the same way lots and lots of times. People have really risen to the challenge and being so creative, you know, from the cut and choose to open their field in October so people can go and choose their tree and then they come back and, you know, say they want it collect on the 1st of December or the 14th, whatever. But it's that kind of experience giving people that wonderful experience of a real tree growing and seeing things differently and I think it's been a very creative time and actually sometimes you know out of adversity comes some good stuff and I think we'll change some things for future anyway so um yeah I think it's been the social media has been fantastic I follow that um and and they've been very very creative and very clever uh with their marketing and and just yeah I think it's been a positive and the customer feedback seems to be phenomenal um about real trees I think real trees are cool again now with you know a lot of influencers and Instagram are following it so it's just because Become the thing to have and that's what our job now is to make sure that continues i think i think it has it's forced innovation i think there's a lot of things that we'd wanted to do and we'd thought about we'd never quite it was in the business plan we had to accelerate those and yes we've done we've managed to deliver it um there's quite a lot of fine tuning to do for the next year but but because in, in some respects the customers they were um they were ready for change. They knew it was coming. They'd seen it elsewhere. So they've been really understanding. The other one that we've been found extremely helpful is um, York City Council. We went to them at the end of October, said what our business was and what we wanted to do. Heather and the association have provided guidance. We wrote all that out and sent to, sent it to them. They were absolutely brilliant. They went through it all online. They came back, you know, phoned us back and said, can you do this, this and this? And Right, fine, you want to come out on a site inspection? They said, no, you're so much better, further ahead and better planned than anyone else. You're low risk. You know, we've got businesses that are worried about folding tomorrow and you're asking us about something six weeks away. And they've been brilliant. And I think that, that's been, you know, the insurers, of, we, we insure with NFU, we went to them and said what we were doing. They wanted to see the paperwork. They want to be sure that we know we're trying to manage risk and that we're understanding the challenges and then... I think it's made everyone actually work together. And going forward, obviously, hopefully next next year we'll be back to some kind of uh, normality when you when you're selling your trees next year. But what what are you going to take from this year going forward with your business? We, we'll keep going with the online selling, and we'll keep going with the um, choose and cut. It's it's things we wanted to do. Uh, we will we'll have to sit down after Christmas and you know work out how we make it run more smoothly we pretty much got there but then you set off on a journey and our business is quite we're quite well structured in that we have a cutting plan we have a palleting plan we've got a plan to put trees into the barn to the wholesale customers there's normally plus or minus 10 percent slack in that you know that that's our normal variance if you then get 30 odd percent more customers and one day we had twice as many as we'd we'd have not ever had before they turn up the drive you can't cut the blooming trees fast enough. And, you know, there is only so many hours in a day and my team are all local farmers. This is their quiet time and they come and work for me. And, you know, they've been out in the field palleting at nine o'clock at night. You on Friday, we were, we'd started at seven in the morning and finished at nine at night, just so we had enough trees to get through the weekend. 
we've had wholesale customers ringing here, there and everywhere wanting more trees. But, you know, these things take 10 years to grow. You cannot fast forward it. And, you know, I've been growing Christmas trees all my life since I was 16. This happens once every 12 or 15 years. And, you know, it is quite exceptional. Hopefully, it's the, it's the sign of a, of a trend that people will become more that the local grown natural product from a person that you know is more appealing to the consumer. We've seen it in the farm shops. We've seen it in the pumpkins. Maybe it is a shift in in the consumer's purchasing habits. Well, indeed. Uh, and Heather, obviously, hopefully all of our listeners are sitting there with a nice uh, British uh, Christmas tree in the, in the front room. But what would you say to people, you know, to appeal to people, you know, why they should buy themselves a re- real Christmas tree, a real British Christmas tree, rather than, you know, getting an artificial one? Well, I think the most, thing, most reason people buy them is for the smell and for the, the visual appeal. Um, you know, an artificial tree, unless you use it for 10 years, is much, much worse for the environment than real trees. So I would say support a real farmer locally, go have the fun of buying it, have the enjoyment of it being there, and then chip it and mulch it afterwards so it becomes goes back into the earth again. So it's the greenest, greenest choice and the nicest thing. And be authentic, you know, support local. Why, why wouldn't we? You know, we're all about, we're so proud of our farming tradition. You know, Christmas trees are part of that and we need to make sure we're choosing local, we're buying local, we're buying well. And buy the best, why would you buy anything else? And love them or hate them, the Brussels sprout is an iconic part of a Christmas dinner. And with the UK cutting ties with Brussels in the new year, perhaps it's time for a rebrand for the humble sprout. I spoke with grower Alan Stephen about his season. Sprout season's it's a wee bit behind as usual. We should have been a wee bit more further forward to some of the first crop, which is due the beginning of December. They've actually got too much size in them, um, a wee bit because obviously our local packer got COVID in their plants, so they lost a week of production. Um, but they're holding up quality-wise, but it's just obviously there's too many going over the top riddle. Um, the rest of the crops sort of due January through till sort of March, and it's looking quite well. Some of it's maybe looking too well if we get too much weather. It may lean over a wee bit too much, uh, but uh, we're hearing there's maybe too many sprouts going around at the moment, which is not bolting well, but hopefully we'll, we'll do okay here. And as the uncertainty over Christmas this year, obviously we've got the COVID restrictions in place. Has that impacted you and your, your mindset at all? Well, it is a wee bit. Obviously, it's not really affecting it too much, but I don't think there'll be the same trade. There'll be maybe the same trade running up to Christmas, but they're obviously not going to be the same trade after Christmas because obviously normally you went Christmas and then into New Year and there's probably a good uh, proportion of sales went on that then too. Um, so obviously I don't think there'll be the same after Christmas sales and then January's always a slow month. I'm just hoping that we don't go back into lockdown and but maybe it'll encourage more folk eating at home but uh, you just don't know with the sprout sales, you know, folk tend to always go into diets in, in January. So. And I know um, previously when you spoke to one of my colleagues, you and um, obviously we've got Brexit coming up in the new year uh, and you, you spoke to him about rebranding the Brussels sprout. Um, uh, have you got any ideas for, for what we should be replacing Brussels with? <laughs> well, there's not really because the only thing is what you call it, you know, 
could change it because obviously last year it's sort of jokingly said, oh, we'll call it Irish Viagra or something, but it'll not go down well. But we need we need some sort of catchy name uh, to sort of improve it because obviously a lot of the time you go sprouts and people go, I don't like sprouts, but of course, you know, childhood memory of sprouts and a lot of the time it's how people cook it, you know, the big thing is obviously a lot of the chefs have improved and, you know, always tell anybody that's cooking sprouts less is more with sprouts, you know, they don't overcook them and, you know, I think a lot of people would get back into the flavour of them if, uh, if they were cooked less and, you know, more, you know, it's like my son, he'll eat them raw off the stock and I'm the same. What would you say to people who... Uh, maybe uh, don't usually eat the sprouts on Christmas Day. Would what would you say to them to encourage them to to try it again? Well, as I say, it's all, it's all down how they cook them. You know, uh, uh, that's what we've found. You know that, but of course, it's a, a flavour thing. You know, they did a lot of research with us years and years ago on the level of sulphur to affect how much the bitterness of the sprout, you know, and obviously it's like any plant breeding, they've obviously changed the plant breeding to change a wee bit of the flavour and the sprout. I know we grow about four or five different varieties and they've all got a slightly different flavour and again, obviously the weather, the winter weather affects their flavour too, you know, if it gets some colder weather it's like some of the older, you know, parsnips and things like that, they'll cook better once they've had a frost. The great thing about the running thing is everybody classes Brussels sprouts, but of course it's, it's probably a, a British thing on the Christmas table. Thanks to Alex and a huge thank you, as always, to all our contributors. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform to keep notified of all the new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. I'm recording this wearing my Blackburn Rovers Christmas jumper, which uh, you'll all be able to see on Twitter if you go to my Twitter handle, at FGBen, when this comes out. It really is a joy. We'll be back, as ever, next Tuesday. But from us at Farmers Guardian and the team at the CLA, thank you for listening and have a very Merry Christmas. Goodbye for now. <laughs>